0: You are listening to the Tricer Podcast, where we talk all things hunting, gear, and the great outdoors. Before we begin, let's start things out right and put God first. Lord Jesus, I thank you for Tricer, and I ask that you can use this podcast as a way to bring joy to all of our listeners. We lay Tricer and this podcast at your feet. Amen. All right, another podcast joined with Connor Cox today. Connor, how are you doing?
1: Doing good. How are you?
0: Doing great, dude. I'm stoked to get on here with you and talk about hunting. Connor hit me up. He has done two on-range Oryx hunts in New Mexico, which I apply for every year and do not draw. So I want to hear about these hunts and the animals you killed and what the process is like. I actually might be a once-in-a-lifetime tag for non-residents, but
1: So I'm it's almost- a once-in-a-lifetime for residents as well. Just also have the option of a broken horn after drawing your life.
0: Oh, okay. That's a good end around. There you go. You drew that thing twice, huh?
1: Yeah, about six six months apart.
0: (laughs) That is awesome. Good for you. All right. So with that said, man, tell me about yourself. Who are you? You know?
1: So I'm a traveling technician for a company out of South Dakota now. Grew up in New Mexico on a 42-section research ranch. Grew up hunting mule deer, watching all the guys run around chasing them down there. What is,
0: what, is, what is a four? a... I'm from California. What's a 42-section research ranch? What is that?
1: So it's a ranch that's owned by New Mexico State University. When I say section, it's a square mile, 648. So we were a pretty large ranch. You have quite a bit of mule deer back before the drought started. So we used to guide a lot of hunters out of there. And I grew up just hanging out at hunting, watching them kill big old mule deer off.
0: That's awesome. So so even though the state owns it, they still let you hunt it.
1: Yes. Yeah, so they allow people to buy tags, get in with the outfitting company, come out new hunts. hunts. When I was a kid, they used to have 30 to 40 hunters come out. All of them kill a buck over 100.
0: Yeah. They do a lot of uh, landowner tags in New Mexico, right? And then um, yes. I, I know that. And then they do take care of their guides. So the non-residents kind of get the shaft down there. The one nice thing is for us is that it is, um, everyone gets his fair shake out. There's no points. So, I mean, yes. even if it's a 2% draw on, everyone has the same 2% draw, so somebody's going to draw it. So, I always say New Mexico is a must-apply state for anyone who wants to hunt because you might as well put your name in there because you never know when you're going to get drawn. But they also have a guide pool where if you put it with a guide. It increases your odds pretty substantially. Like, say it's a 2% unit. Maybe that's an 8% unit now that you have a guide. I'm just yes. throwing numbers out there, but it is something pretty substantial. I've do- drawn a tag over there for Barbary sheep, and we used a guide for two days because you have to keep them for at least, like, 48 hours so we drew the tag with the guy for 48 hours and then after that we were diy so it was kind of like an end around trick to getting a tag down there to go hunting so there's there's a few little there's There's some loopholes you can play with that draw system to get a tag. So I'm always trying to draw a tag somewhere, but New Mexico is a must apply for me. So sweet. So you grew up hunting. I mean, you've been hunting your whole life. Grew up shooting, you know, got a 22, got a red rider, got a 22, got a 20 gauge, went out and killed some doves, killed some rabbits. And you know, how'd you, so your whole family hunts, I take it?
1: So my dad really wasn't a big hunter. He did when he was a kid. They were, they lived in the city. So it was just taking trips out to go hunting every year. And he kind of fell out of it, got into his working life and raising kids. And then he'd go out and help butcher animals there at the hunting camp. So we used to go hang out with them, watch the guide run around, taking these guys out. Then from there, it just, I fell in love with it. Seeing these guys come back with, man, it's all I ever do. I threw my first tag when I was 13, got to go take a deer and hadn't turned back since.
0: All right. So what is the hunting age? Is it 12 for, for deer tags?
1: I, I don't remember on New Mexico's age limit. I think it's just a hunter safety certificate. Okay. I don't know if they actually have a true bottom on it. But I was 13 when I drew my first tag. I think I might have had a buddy through it at 12. But I mean, before that, it's hard to carry around that rifle, let alone shoot it. So
0: tell me about that. Tell me about that first deer.
1: So my first deer, I drew a tag for our local unit, got to go hunt on some land near the ranch and went out hunting all day. And I was real trigger happy. First one I saw, if I saw a buck. Are you by yourself? I went with my dad. So my dad, my country's real wooded, lots of juniper trees, pretty thick stuff, kind of on the edges of all the mountains, pretty flat. So you do a lot more road hunting back in those days so we just drove around all day I don't think we saw a buck probably about four o'clock in the afternoon and we came up around over a hill and maybe 10 15 yards to my right there was a buck standing there with a the doe and so <laughs> I get all trigger happy and it's on the wrong side of the pickup so there's no way I can get it without backtracking or going forward. So we drive past it, end up coming back around and he'd circled back around behind us. It was over next to a livestock water. So we snuck up as close as we could get, got to about 150 yards and I was using my dad's he's got a two rifles that are Mauser 98, German rifle yeah, yeah. that have been sporterized and yeah. re- rechambered. He's got a 30-06 and a 22-50. I took that 22-50 out there and set up. We waited for it and he said, as soon as it walks away from that water trough and as soon as it stepped away from the water trough, I triggered perfect double lung shot. Me being young and not around killing stuff that often, I, I was it took a couple of steps and I was like, Oh man, we better shoot it again. It's <laughs> like, No, it's going down. You're fine. You're fine. And that was my first buck. Just a little, not much mass to him. He had all five points, it was real small, kind of a cull buck out of the herd. But got my first mule deer there at the age of 13.
0: That's awesome. 22 250 is a wicked cartridge. Yeah, after World War Two, everyone came back and wanted to hunt and they took those Mausers. And then the Springfields, and they sporterized them, and those were the hunting rifles. And that's 30 out 6 was just what they shot in the war, and so they shot at animals. And honestly, it's a phenomenal cartridge.
1: Oh, it uh, really the, is. The
0: thirty out 6 And it's just, we've kind of all, I'm almost thinking about building one again, it's just everyone's going to all these fancy cartridges. But man, like that cartridge just works, man, for what we're doing in Western Big Game Hunting. It's a cool cartridge and you can buy it in any liquor store in this country, that's for sure.
1: Exactly. And it's probably killed more big game in the world than anything else. Yeah. And that
0: twenty-two 250 is just a wicked cartridge. I mean, it's just a, you know, shooting so flat and so fast. It's great, oh, yeah. for, great for deer, great for freaking groundhogs and <laughs> prairie dogs. Really? And not an
1: expensive ammo either
0: yeah not at all that's that's fun man that's really fun cool so you got him and then butchered him up you still got this antlers or what
1: i do i've got him mounted at my or what do you call it european mounted they're at my parents house him and my younger brother's buck and my second buck hanging in the shop there at my parents house
0: nice are you doing your own euros
1: i did on those i have done some with getting people to do them but it's do-it-yourself kind of a relaxing afternoon sitting there by a boiling pot of water
0: yeah, yeah. It's not not too scary. People are scared to do it. I do mine with a pressure cooker and just a big pot of water and I don't boil it. I get it simmering, right? And do some soap in there. I've had some hard times with some pigs and I have like one elk skull that just did not want to go white. It's just some color on it. But yeah, it's not hard to do, man. People do it. And I just take some developer, you know, like yep. number 40 developer or when it's all cleaned. I'll, I'll, a lot of times I'll actually soak it in hot water for like, a, I have like a horse heater and I set it to like 110, 108. and I'll soak that skull for a week just to get all the grease out of it and then take it outside and i'll just put some developer on there and you know after one or two days the thing's clean and good to go and i got a skull it looks good enough exactly
1: I, yeah
0: I, I mean the beetles are nice you get all the nose stuff in there still it looks really good but i don't care to have a box of beetles in my house they smell really bad and, yeah uh, and it's it's you know i mean we kill a lot with having you know three of us hunting in the house right plus friends we kill a lot of animals every year it gets expensive paying 150 200 bucks a euro at least that's what it's costing here in san diego now so it's yeah, that's about what it is here. So it's just, let's do it ourselves. It turned not pretty good. Good enough.
1: Yeah, no, I do it myself most of the time. To
0: do that, I should do a little product sale real quick. So I don't have any with me here, but a Tricer Bino Adapter. Go buy a Tricer Bino Adapter. They are awesome. One piece, ARCA Swiss. Locked around there. Don't have to have two plates. Comes with two studs. Go buy a Tricer Bino Adapter. $49.99. That's my pitch. That's my commercial. That's how professional this podcast is. So go buy a Bino Adapter. All right, so now... I want to know all about the process of hunting Oryx over there because I have not done it. I've seen them off range. I'm tempted to go back. I know where they are off range. I'm tempted to go back and do it there. I just, every year, it never really works out for me on the timing. Yeah, it's actually a pretty long season. You can hunt them from July through like March, I believe, over there. Yes,
1: I believe it's a, I think some of the tags, if you're not bordering states, I think you can actually get it for 365 days. Really? Yeah.
0: Wow. And so Oryx, do you know the history on those things at all or am I going to butcher it for us?
1: I know some of the history yeah
0: all right so so again we went we had World War II and we came back we came back wanting to kill stuff and
1: they'd seen all these things over in Africa they'd seen Oryx and Odad running around up okay and so they wanted more stuff to hunt besides the mule deer and elk which at the time during World War II at that point I believe there wasn't any elk left in the state of New Mexico if there was was they'd already killed off and so they brought those Oryx back there's a law that you're not allowed to release animals wild unless they're natively born or not natively born in the US or the area. And so Oryx came over and they were put in a set of cattle pins. There on the White Sands Missile Range. I think they brought over, it was two or four, but they brought over mating pairs and then the offspring were the only ones that were allowed to be let out. Let, they let them out a few years after that. And now there's thousands of them.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. They, they. I think they said like, oh, it looks like Africa here. Uh, let's just get some oryx. <laughs> you know, they got they got Ibex too, right? They have Ibex, Oryx, and Audad down there.
1: Correct. Yeah. Um, they've got the Ibex there on the Florida mountains outside of Deming. They just try not to let them migrate anywhere else where they're letting Oryx and the Audad still migrate some, but those ibex, if they get off that area, they try and get rid of them as possible.
0: Really, yeah. The, that oddad hunt I did down there was probably one of the funnest hunts I've ever had. You to see a lot of sheep, you're moving a lot. That you, you never, you can't really pattern them. You know, they they've got eyes; they can see you from a thousand yards away. It's it's a really fun hunt. I mean, the day we killed our sheep, we ended up doubling up. We did like eighteen miles or something, and it's just up and down. It's not super crazy country. But it's hills, right? So you're gaining four or 500 feet and then dropping in some canyons. And it was just... We were worked over by the time we killed them. And it was so fun. If you like big glass and you like long-range shooting, that's a fun hunt, man. Because you're, you're really... Getting to 300 yards is, is close on those things. It really is.
1: It is. It you know, is. Those oddads are a lot of fun. I grew up. We'd occasionally have them drop down off those mountains, come down onto our place. We'd see a couple of year here and there. They'd come running across the place. They migrate. They're crazy animals. They are, man.
0: They can go to the places they live. It's they're fun. So they call them poor man's sheep. So if you're looking for a hunt, go try and hunt oddads down there, in New Mexico. They've made it really hard to draw that tag, though. Now, year we drew, we drew as a group, all four of us, and now you can't even draw as a group anymore. If you you put in as a group you're not going to draw the tag you got to apply individually so now i think the odds are like two percent or something it's gone way down so we it was the last year we drew was a year we could really get tags and they cracked down on it so now i put in every year i put in myself and both my boys individually for that hunt and i put in for like the february or march hunt just so if one of us draw we're going to go hunt sheep for a week for me i don't care about pulling the trigger i just want to go chase those again it was fun
1: oh yeah no i've chased them a couple of times and they're they're pretty crazy spook them and they're gone likely won't see them they'll be in the next county over
0: gosh my friend she Shot, gut shot one a little far back with a seven rem mag, And I dropped mine. He got shot his. I swear, I tracked that sheep for two miles on my hands and knees. And we end up killing it. It ran with those things. You could tell they get killed, but they get chased by lions over in Africa. I mean, it is like the toughest animal. It had its guts hanging out one side of them. <laughs> I mean, it was out. And this thing went two miles. I mean, just dripping little bits of blood. And finally, we kicked it up and he shot him. And, uh, and they
1: go days without drinking water if you ever find places where they've peed on the ground it'll stain it yellow with how much minerals and stuff is in their urine they don't drink very much water wow it's pretty yeah, crazy they, to find
0: they were a cool critter but yeah they were that's all i remember about them is they were tough not like them you know a mule deer or a antelope it was an animal that just you tell he's getting killed by big old lions and, and stuff over there Cheetahs. they're tough animals all right so now i want to hear about hunting on white sands about hunting these oryx
1: yeah, so I've hunted on the White Sands Missile Range three times in my life. I drew an antelope tag on there when I was a youth resident running around in New Mexico and was able to go out there for my first time. That would have been 2016, so I got to go take a pronghorn out of there. And then I came back in 2020. I guess it would have been the 2019, 20. Tw- 19, 20 tw- I drew my once-in-a-lifetime tag. The last hunt of the year, February 28, March 1st, something like that. So with those Oryx hunts, they're a really short hunt. You only get three days, technically two and a half. So when you start that hunt, they have you everybody come. So you'll have all the oryx hunters, elk hunters, there's elk hunts going on at the time, pronghorn, any of the hunts that are going on that week, they all meet up at a staging area and they go through about a two hour meet where they run you. Safety on the range, watch out for unexploded ordnance areas. They have areas that are marked off, areas that you're not allowed to drive, but you can hike through areas and drive to get out and look at. A bunch of different things like that. There's big safety. Make sure you know you got to wear your orange, your hunter orange while you're out there. Different rules and stuff like that, as well as information about where the oryx and stuff can found at that
0: so in new mexico are is hunters orange required is that a requirement for rifle hunting
1: no not in the state of new mexico but on just any on, the, of on the, the range uh ranges so both on the white sands and the mcgregor range part of bliss down there a little bit farther south of white Sands.
0: yeah that's like on the southwest corner right over there kind of by arizona above el paso uh,
1: yeah just north of el paso
0: okay yeah, i was looking at some deer tags over there so now you say weekend hunts these hunts are not a typical like five day hunt Like right? i think all new mexico hunts are five days These ones are only like two or three days, right? On range.
1: Yeah, so they'll begin at Friday. Usually have a meeting that starts around ten. You usually get out of that meeting right there, 11, 30, 12 o'clock. They just tell everybody go, so everybody gets pretty much a fair shake. There's you no, know, well, I'm gonna show up at six o'clock in the morning and get out there. It's we all meet there at the same time, and once the meeting's over, they just release you just from that base camp, and everybody goes out. So you'll have a, it's usually anywhere from hundred to 150 tags hunting on that place at time, and everybody that exact same. You got about two roads. Start leaving off of before they start to feather out.
0: Wow. Really? I didn't realize it was that many hunters. So is it, yes. I mean, there, there's that many orcs on range, huh? Uh,
1: yeah. They kill probably, probably thousand a year.
0: Really? Yeah. Cause it seems like I everyone mean, who draws that tag is pretty successful.
1: Yeah. So the odds on that. If you don't kill one, not to say you're a bad hunter, but you probably have no clue. Okay. I mean, we saw yeah. them within 10 minutes of leaving that me- and they're standing yeah. there a hundred yards off the road. It's just, getting out and shooting one.
0: Yeah, they are big white animals. I know they're not hard to see. They they're they, not, don't, and they don't blend in. I, I've seen them off range and it's just like, wow, that is does not fit the surroundings. <laughs> yeah.
1: And they're really not very skittish, but once they run, they're they're gone. They're pretty hard to catch up with pretty fast for how big they are.
0: So I always wonder like, oh, if I draw that tag, should, should I hire a guide? Like, you're You're saying I'm not going to need a guide. If I'm any but capable on that tag...
1: I would right. say, I mean, most people. I'd say seventy-five percent of those hunters are killed out in the first. Really, day. that second day is pretty sparse of you seeing. It's an occasional person. Like I usually stay till the second day because I'm I'm wanting to see as much stuff, try and find that one that's just special. Something about him is kind of. And so on both my hunts, we stayed till that second day and just tried to find the one that had something that just stood out. Like that's the one. He's got some characteristic that I really like. So
0: now, are you having to hunt? Are you basically road hunting, or are you getting out and glassing, or how are you hunting these things?
1: So you could do it both ways. So it depends where you're at. So some of the ranges you can get up into the finger hills and kind of get up into the canyons and get some glassing. Others it's getting up on the bed of the pickup to get some elevation glass across the flats. All of mine we drive, to find an area, do some road hunting. Most time we're finding a place, where we kind of sneak up and get into an area where you know you kind of figure them big ones are probably going to try and hide somewhere. So you're trying to find those areas that I could hide in here and that trucks not see me when they drive by because most people road hunt that.
0: Okay, all right. So it's not okay. So I have no issues. Like I'm going to hunt them however they tell me is the best way to hunt them. Like I'm not a guy who's like I'm going to have to go backpack into this place to be like, if they're telling me that you're going to go on base and the best way to hunt them is from the pickup pickup truck and get up on, hunt smarter, not harder. <laughs> like if that's the way people are doing it, I want to do it however they're doing it in that area. Right. So getting, that makes sense getting up on the, because it's probably hard to get elevation, right? You're probably getting up. I mean, I can even imagine putting some ladders in the, in the truck bed and getting up some more elevation. Yeah. It's very
1: around. common to have ladders in the back of the truck for glassing. Your only elevation is there's a single mountain line that runs through the center of white sands. Okay. And that's about the only, Places you can find some, other than that, it's just the occasional hill here and there that you're using. And then it depends what range, but there's uh four ranges like they allow you to hunt. You've got the stallions your lower range where the Trinity site is where they drop the atomic bomb. Oh and then you've got the Red Canyon is the other side of the hill from it. roads Canyon's just north of there. Then there's the actual white sands where the sand is, and then just north of there is a the small range. Right there we get into the mountain pass to go to Lost
0: So are the uh Oryx bigger where they drop a the nuclear bomb? They are not. Oh dang just hoping they got a little bit of that radioactive and got a little yeah. bit bigger and got bigger antlers now okay no and it's too many it's Marvel actually, movies
1: it's pretty <laughs> funny with those oryx your bigger ones are usually your female so the taller they are as you know really yeah so the females will have a lot thinner of a horn but they're going to be a lot longer so your records on length which most of them go off of like i think sci is length and like the base is it and your length is all going to be out of your males. you'll see 38 38 while well, your males are usually 36 you might catch a 30
0: okay is there a like do you is there a sex rule on hunting these things or no it's just whatever.
1: okay no, so, th- there's, so no- there's
0: i didn't know that so i always thought i was really looking for a bull do they, call, do they call them bulls and cows what do they call them
1: yeah that's as far as i know they just call them bull cows
0: so there's no like you're not worried like you shoot a cow you're not like dang it
1: it's nope okay. honestly you shoot a cow you might even be lucky and pick up a new state record you never know really
0: really yeah i guess you couldn't really tell once you freak once you get them mounted you can't tell
1: no you really can't people that have been around them a lot you can kind of learn to tell by looking at their at the bases So at the bases, if they're a female, you'll be able to see each individual ring almost real easily with the naked eye, where with the males, those rings kind of start to come together, real squeezed together, and don't look like definitive rings up the lower end.
0: Okay, gotcha, gotcha. All right, so you got an oryx. What caliber are you shooting? What rifle are you shooting from these things?
1: I uh, shoot a three thirty eight Win Mag.
0: Oh, so you're bringing all the horsepower.
1: It was They've... the first rifle I ever bought. I turned 18 and went to a gun store, and they had it sitting there, bought it.
0: Oh, man, I'm too much of a puss for that thing.
1: <laughs> it's Honestly, it. I've shot... 270s 30 out 6 is way more than this rifle. Oh, you, is it
0: broken? You got Honestly, a small break on it?
1: It's an old rifle. It's a Ruger Mark 77 except it's the older version of the tang safe. So it's got an old school original Browning bosses, which is a over barrel clamp on muzzle brake can be tunable. Okay. That real goofy looking thing, but it's been on there for 40 years, so I might as well.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I actually traded a Mark 77 243 this year with the with the red butt pad and the and the tang safety for a bike for my kid i had like three or i had i think three or four 243s in the safe already and he wanted a dirt bike and all the like i'll trade buddy so all right so now we now we've got it we've got a dollar we know how you're hunting them you're shooting a 338 wind mag as you said yes sir so you got all the horsepower in the world now ready set go they let you go from the meeting
1: what's going on so we kind of had some areas picked out so when you're, you first get there they give you a map and it shows the areas you're allowed to hunt in and the boundary thing so we kind of looked at it and uh we had a guy with us that had been on quite a few hunts out there i think he been putting in for the probably 20 years that they've been doing that Oryx hunt now or 30, 25 years, whatever. He'd been putting in the entire time and he'd probably been out there 12 times helping people out. Never drawn the tag himself. he been on 12 or 13 <laughs> hunts out there. So, now, so, wait, he, so
0: real quick, I want to clarify something. On White Sands, when you leave this meeting, are there subunits for everybody or does everyone get the whole base?
1: Everyone gets the whole area. Okay. So they have the whole different- area shooting range, as they call them. So okay, it'll be a boundary within that whole range of white sands. So you've got four or five different ones that'll all be connected by road here and there. And they'll just put cones out on the road and draw you a map.
0: But do you get, so are you, are you limited to like the nuclear area only, or you, you get the whole base, all five areas?
1: You get one area.
0: You get one area. Okay. So that's a little bit more. Okay. So you have, so there's five. Now do you, you don't draw the area, you draw white sands. And so they give you the area when you're, they get there? You
1: draw the area. So when oh, you, you draw look the at area. It, yeah. Okay. It says um, white sands and it'll have an area code for different areas.
0: Oh, that are okay. Okay. So you draw one. So you're 140 hunters, 150 hunters in this meeting, but there's five units and so maybe 25 guys per unit coming out of nope. this meeting. No. So
1: each individual weekend will be specifically for one of those ranges. Oh, okay. That
0: makes sense. So you're going to get one one range for that weekend, not five different ranges. Okay. Correct. Okay. So 150 guys are going to the same area. Okay.
1: Yep. And it's, it's a large area, but you are going to see people most of the time. You're going to have someone crossing you on the road across the roof from you that.
0: Okay. All right. So now I've got that clear. You got 238. thirty
1: Also with white sands, there's a, t- they have time set on when you can be within the rain. So like starts at 30 minutes after sunrise and you got to be out 30 minutes before sunset. So they have a time oh, wow. limit of okay. set. So you can't be in there. Can't camp in there. Nothing like that.
0: Okay. All right. So now you've got this guy, he's been flying for 25 years, never drew it and here's this kid who just drew it. Drew, you did the first one you drew. Was this the real oryx or the or not real oryx? Was this the full horned oryx or the broken off oryx? Which tag is this one?
1: It was my once in a lifetime tag. Full-horned. Okay,
0: so the first one you drew it, how old are you? 18? I'm 20. You're 20. You drew this tag.
1: Or Good I guess it would have been 19 when I drew it. I was 20 whenever I shot it.
0: All right, so now you've taken off with this guy's and you for 25 years, so I'm sure he's giving you a ton of crap for ne- him never drawing it. But here you go. Oh, yeah.
1: And so <laughs> we kind of look up a couple of areas and we go. I mean, as soon as we leave, the, I mean, we're maybe a quarter of a mile from where we had that and everything. Every everybody's stopping on the side of the road and the group of five or six of them out there i mean we're out of the meeting maybe five minutes all of a sudden we hear the first shot someone shoots one right there next to next to that base camp <laughs> just keep driving and i mean it's a big line of cars everybody's just lined up if they're not stopping at that first one the next one pops up someone's pulling over to get a shot at it so you're just trying to get out of that craziness of them first few people shoot stuff so we're just hauling out of there we're the probably fifth or sixth person to actually drive out of there some people hesitate wait just like let's let it clear out we're like let's just get it drive the far side get away from it. because most people are going to see those first few and get distracted so they're not going to make it to that far end right away So let's get over there find us an area and kind of see what we find and so we haul out and we get up into the road that goes up in the canyon he'd killed one in there four or five years prior and so he said well we'll go up in here we my niece killed one here. It's a great area to find one we got up in there and we see a group of them we're just picking trying to find a big one especially having him he's seen quite a few, pretty good at judging there was one big one in there and the way this country is you have lots of when it rains you get those flooding flat floods that just erode and make random canyons everywhere See so what looks like a flat way to go is all of a sudden you got a canyon at six seven you gotta try and get around or get down to come back up the other side it's pretty tough getting to them and we get up closer and peek our head over and somehow in our hike over there someone else drove up something but they get spooked go up over the mountain and cross to the other side where we can't go after so we go and make it back to pick up do a little more watching and find some others we come up and i probably put the scope on two or three of them they were good ones and I, they just weren't the one that i I had in my head. I didn't think they were big, and weren't. They didn't, you know, just give me that feeling like this is the one. And so we end up finishing up that after probably saw four or five of them killed by other. And you get back to base camp at 50 and said that hadn't already got hauled off. That are getting ready to haul off. You drive by the checkpoint. They check your vehicle out. Maybe you don't have one the better to pick up with that. Make it back to the hotel for the night. Get a good night's rest. Get up the next morning. Go back in there and kind of go to that same area in hopes of finding that big one we'd seen beginning of the day. And we get up in there and we start hiking around We find a couple of dead heads. Walk up where maybe 20 yards from broken he's just standing there the craziest thing he's ever seen in his life dead looking at us away from and we start coming around the ridge there and we look off I'll probably 300 yards and there's there's a nice one there he's pretty tall and we decide we want to get a little closer try and get a good shot on him get some of the brush just in the way get up a little closer and he kind of walks off and another one comes out behind him this one I mean one I think pretty the horns massive this is the, so I get up and I throw the rifle up on shooting sticks and pull the trigger for the first time and gut shot him I mean 150 yards a killer with rifle never had that bad of a shot I don't know what the heck he runs off a little ways. We probably chased him for about a half a mile, get up, finally get another shot on him. And I shoot again. And this time I hit him in the shoulder, but it's high and like something off. And so we start running after him again to try and get another shot off. And I notice my scopes rattling. Oh no. And I'm like, what the heck is this? The scope shouldn't be rattling. I just put a new scope on it and mounted it up. I've been shooting dimes at the house at three, 400 yards. The rifle shooting great. Blue how the heck.
0: Is there blue Loctite on those bolts?
1: There was. So if really? you bought the Leupold one, it's already got the blue lock tight on it for you. Oh,
0: I put it on the, too. What the, the, the issue was push.
1: is when they built it, it was slightly too tall. So the hole was slightly larger than the, obje- the scope. So the scope was tight, but then it just as it sat there, it was able to kind of move itself. It barely got enough wiggle, but it was enough wiggle that I was off 24 inches left and 8 inches low on the first shot. And The second shot was about 18 inches high. Third shot I took hit him directly in the neck, went just clean through his neck, didn't affect. Just ran off some more. We chased him down a little farther. I get a fourth shot on him. This time I hit him in the foot. Oh gosh! Right, right there in the foot. This puts him down. He's laying there. He's got holes in him. I feel terrible. This is this isn't what I liked. I want to kill him. Quite and I'm sitting here, I've had to shoot four times now. I'm going to have to put a fifth in probably. So we get up closer and I get the rifle on and put one through his heart. It's dead. I'm kicking myself. I'm, I've got buck fever for the whole time. I'm just like, this is awful. This whole thing. My rifle's not in great shape. And now I've hurt an animal, which is something I never like to do. I'm a, I like to make it clean and quick. Don't like him to suffer. And so we get him cut up. But what we forgot to do is we left all the packs in the pickup. Oh, None no. of us have a pack on us, and all I got is the pocket knife I've carried in my in my pocket since I was 16, probably only sharp it maybe once in that whole time. It's dull as all get out, trying to cut him up at first for my dad can make a two and a half mile pack from the pickup with all four packs backed animal, which I mean, luckily the packs are frames. We weren't really prepared to hike him out too awful far. I think I had an old King's camouflage. They have a pack. It's got a wire frame. It doesn't carry weight very well. Especially in works. The yeah. And then we like had what,
0: 400, 500 pounds like the size of a cow, right? Cow elk?
1: Uh, yeah, you might be a little bigger. You might be closer to 800 yeah. on a real fat bull. Just depends really? on how good the country is. It's a real good green year, and they're just able to gorge themselves. Wow. But that hadn't happened a while down there, but there have been in the past.
0: Wow. I, I had no idea. I thought they were more like that 500-pound Wow.
1: Yeah, so I'd say quite a few of them are, and that's probably your average, but there is some, you get those random ones that they found them a honey hole where they just gorge themselves and got as fat as possible. Gotcha.
0: All right, so you got them down. You got them, you got them killed. I, I think it's important I think anyone who's listening to this right now, for one, I respect your honesty, right? I think anyone who's listening to this right now, who's hunted for any period of time, has experienced this same thing in some way, shape, or form, right? Like when you hunt, things are never going to, I mean, they'll be perfect sometimes, but sometimes it's just not going to be perfect. And at that point, you have a job just to freaking kill that animal. Oh yeah. At that point, like things have gone wrong, you know, and in the moment, it's just chaos, right? And it's happened to us all, but you have a responsibility to put the animal down and get it killed, you know, somehow, whether you're putting one up its butt or what you're doing. I mean, yeah, I shot a deer one time and I, I hit him 400 yards. And that deer, I hit him, and he dropped and hit the ground. I mean, bam, right there. And I packed, It, it was. It took me about thirty minutes in order to go over to him. He's just laying there dead. And I got. I swear, this is my kids with. We were like twelve thousand foot elevation mule <laughs> deer. And we we pack up, we hike over to him, and that deer stands up and starts running. And it was like going towards the canyon. I had to put one right up his keister and put him down. And I had hit that deer just a little bit back. And it it fell over and died right there, but it wasn't dead. I when I remember walking up to it, and its leg was straight. I'm like, that's kind of funny. And that deer laid there for thirty minutes and stood up. And I had to do, you know, I had to, I had to do to, to kill him. We don't strive for that. We try strive for ethical shots, and sh- but sometimes things go wrong. And you just got to do it. And I, I appreciate you just being honest with it, not just oh yeah, I went out there five hundred yards and just poked him double lung and he was dead. It's just sometimes it doesn't work that way, you know. It doesn't. Yeah. Sometimes there's a difference between being a, you know, I tell people all the time like you got to be a killer. You know, sometimes you just got to kill. <laughs> You know, yeah. sometimes it, when things hit the fan. You got to start loading and sending things down there because it's just, it happened. It's not something I strive for or want to have happen, but it happens to all of us. You know, you hunt for long enough, you're going to have issues like this. So I appreciate you telling the truth. All right. So yeah. now you pack, you pack this sucker back to the trunk or what?
1: Yeah. So we're getting cut up and split up the weight is good As possible, I mean, me having a slight frame pack, I'd throw as much weight on me as possible. Had an old army frame pack to pack as heavy as it could get, and then my dad carried out the head and the cape. He's just got an army duffel bag to see on all the things m- they got their clothes, it doesn't carry weight very well. It's a couple of pairs of t shirts and a sleeping bag. And we get him packed back and loaded in the truck. So that hunt was in March, it was probably 80 days out that day. So we were trying to get him to truck as soon as possible, get that meal down, get out of here. So
0: you took that, are you did, you did you shoulder mount this animal, or what did you do with it?
1: I did, I've got him shoulder mounted at home okay yeah there's nice. a really good taxidermist there in Los green and he does a lot of those and, you know being my once in a lifetime i was probably out of shoulder mounting i'm not i'm never gonna get one again little did i know six months later i'd have a second oryx tag to spend yeah. i felt i had to
0: yeah so i'm conflicted on what i'm gonna do with mine i'm gonna draw that tag i hope in my lifetime i think i want to do like a rug like a full rug on the wall it would just look so cool and then do do the, the euros look bitching? You know? oh they, they do. do they do look really cool but at the same time, it's like, man, it would be nice to shoulder mount it too. But man, I think having that thing like on the wall, like it just looked really clean, a big rug. So, it's hard on.
1: to go wrong on those Oryx, whether you do it a rug and a hero mount or just so mounting pretty. the pelt, like that zebra style face. And then you got... Almost like a, a horse's body, but it's got that those gray hairs, man. Yeah, the grays and the stripes. And that.
0: Yeah, that's that's really neat, man. So that's awesome, dude. I'm stoked. It gives me encouragement that I'll draw this tag someday. You drew it twice in a year. So, I did. How did how did those eat? I heard they I heard like some of the best tasting meat out there.
1: Oh yeah, most of that meat was gone the first six months. I mean, it's just such good. Meat. I eat as much of it as I can. I hope <laughs> Somebody else back home gets one, so I can get some more of it. Really? Yeah. Yeah,
0: I've heard that's really good meat.
1: It's not gaming, which is prized. surprising country they're in. is just rot, hardly grass, no water. And they come out and they don't taste really tender with no fat content in them. Dark. It's really good eating. I've ate it all kinds of.
0: That's awesome. Well, with that said, where can we where can we find you? You want anyone to find you? Are you public? Are you private on Instagram? What's up with that?
1: Um, Public on Instagram. I'd have to look at my handle. I'm not very active. Never been my strong suit. But oh, They don't got to follow you. Just trying to uh- give you... Connor.Cox44 I post on occasion get to see a lot of travel photos I travel all around the world with a job What do you do So I work for a company that makes livestock research I'm their installation and repair technician Oh
0: same thing that yeah okay
1: Yeah so I've been to 44 US states and eight countries so far and I've got a trip to Australia and to Mexico
0: Awesome so you, are you uh, married a single dude or
1: I'm single yeah
0: All right so any ladies out there listening to this thing you want to hit Connor up he gave you his handle and hit him up and you could be a world traveler or eating Oryx.
1: Yep, eating Oryx and travel in the world.
0: Awesome, dude. Well, thanks for coming on. Yeah, so, glad let's to do, do it, it, it again. Let's do it again. When I draw the Oryx tag, I'm going to be hitting you up. And it'll be good. I'll
1: be there with you. We'll get you a good one.
0: Thank you for listening to the Tricer podcast. Do us a favor and like and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook at TricerUSA. And go and check out all of our innovative gear at www.TricerUSA.com. Until next time, shoot straight, have fun, and always put God first.